The All-Star Weekend is approaching, and Patrick and I are going to be talking about our three most interesting rookies, favorite rookies. We don't really have a criteria. You know, in the background, the Lakers are rolling. The Warriors are rolling. Things are starting to happen, but we're about to hit the break, so let's get into foul trouble. I'm so ready to talk about some rookies. This is such a fun, weird rookie class. Year, yeah, rookie we've been class. Patrick and I have been wanting to do this podcast forever, and it feels like there's always some new thing happening. Like the Warriors, I know they lost last night to the Clippers, blew that one, but like they're kind of rolling right now. The Lakers are kind of rolling right now. The Knicks are kind of falling back to earth. There's a lot of the Bucks, maybe signs of life, but we're talking rookies today. We got to do it at some point because we're not going to be talking Wizards deep into April. No, 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 no. We're talking Wizards today. Is this a <laughs> no? There's only one place we can start. And I, I, at least for me, it's Victor Wembenyama. Is that okay? Can we have yeah. the Victor Wembenyama discussion? <laughs> yeah. And I just want to frame it in the most annoying way possible. And because I think it's super rare to have this discussion, and I'm just going to go out and say it. Victor Wembenyama, he has met every expectation that I have I had ever dreamed of for his rookie season this year. Of course, he had the triple-double with blocks earlier this week. And he's set out a case that has him on, like, on track for the GOAT tier. And I just want to talk about this because it's so rare. Like 99.9% .9 of players, no matter how great they are, can't sustain that tier. And I'm talking about the Jordan, LeBron, Kareem. That's pretty much it. Tier for more than one season of like, could that guy be it? Like, I think Luca is on the pace for like a Steph Curry-like career, a Kevin Durant-like career. But I think even he has fallen one notch below that. And we found Victor... <clears throat> kind of playing along, playing in those pools. He's averaging 20, 10, three blocks right now. He's starting to figure out his shot. Um, and I think, especially on the defensive end, he's shown he can be, he has the, he maybe is right now, but he he has the projection to be like the best player, a defensive player in the NBA at some point in his career. Not to mention a super, super, high-level offensive player. Um, I've got a bunch of, like, clubs that he's a part of that we can talk about later in this Victor Wembanyama discussion. Where where are you? Is there anything that you are dying to say about Victor Wembanyama? So I think with Victor, when it comes to, like, a GOAT discussion, the one thing that is really tough with bigs is they're so reliant on teammates in terms of just getting them the ball. Um I mean, my real only – I didn't write a lot of notes on Victor. Victor's been amazing. He's kind of been my rookie of the year favorite this entire time, even when Chet really, really had it rolling from three. Um, he still does. But, I mean, yeah, Wemby kind of changes the geometry of the court with his height, right? Like, he's blocking all these shots. He's, he's leading the league in blocks. He's not just averaging three a game. But I think my big takeaway is that the two most played lineups he's a part of are actually positive. And I think that's a really, really good sign for me is for when I'm looking at a player is, like, you're elevating your team – 
that is a really bad team. And really, it's just when he shares the court with Trey Jones, I've beaten this point like a dead horse. They're pretty good. They're plus 2.5 with all Trey Jones and Wemby lineups. That's a 48-win pace if that was extended to the whole team. So, like, that's really impressive because this team is really, really bad. And, like, Trey Jones is not some elite point guard, right? It's basically, like, if you can play Wemby with a competent level. He's a mid-tier backup point guard. He's a mid-tier backup point guard. But if you can just pair Wemby with a point guard, you literally have a winning lineup ahead of you. So, I think for the Spurs, like, He's hit every single checkpoint. I think he's only missed maybe one or two games this whole season, maybe a couple yeah. more than that. But like, I know he's played forty eight games. He's played forty eight. I big worry for a lot of people with Wemby is when you're that tall and you're that skinny, like your injury risk. But you know everything we've seen from Wemby off the court is like he really, really, really takes care of his body. And I think we're gonna see like a LeBron James like taking care of the body for this guy's career. So like, I mean, if you're a Spurs fan, this is the best. This is the best way it could have possibly gone. Oh, absolutely. So I think it's really interesting that you brought up the like constant struggle for a big man and getting the ball. And I think it's a, a, a little bit of like a misnomer that Wemby needs other people to give him the ball because thus far this season, his usage rate is, is 30%. 30%, which is, in my opinion is way too high. And if he had players that could feed him the ball a little bit more like that, I think he would be even more effective because he's been so reliant this season on really creating from the outside, which he can do. Like it's like creating from the elbow for but a it's normal definitely not size player. the best way to use him. It's better no, to get totally him in the not. low block. Like that's the thing. A lot of the Wimby lineups that are really, really good are the ones where he's the center. Because mm-hmm. early in the season, it wasn't it wasn't just they were playing him with Sohan. It was also they were playing him with Zach Collins, which has this effect of like, yeah, Zach Collins can kind of shoot. But in reality, like him and Victor and Jeremy all want to be at the basket. And that's that's never going to work. Yeah. Like right now, his percentage of assisted shots at the rim is 73% of his rim makes are assisted. That's in the 26th percentile for bigs. Like. For a generational big man prospect, if, if you can get that up into the, you know, 50th percentile, 80th per- percentile, like in a dream scenario, I realize this Spurs team isn't like great and doesn't have that much talent, but I think his numbers would be astronomically different. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know if, I don't know, I actually don't know if I agree that it would benefit them for him to be in that 80th percentile because that would mean he's not doing a lot of self-creation. And if, if this guy is somebody that you think is going to be your 1A superstar, I think the self-creation numbers are going to have to be a little bit higher for something like that. But yeah, I mean, Wemby's my favorite rookie to watch. Like, I, I actually wasn't going to pick him today because I just knew he was going to come up, but I love watching so, Wemby, man. He's so much fun. So I want to talk about the the clubs that he, he's in. The most elite club of all of them is the rookie 20 and 10 club. He's mm-hmm. averaging 20 points. He's averaging 10 rebounds. The group of people that have done that in their rookie season, it's it's a group of 13, including Victor Wembenyama. Every single one of them is a um, Hall of Fame player, except for four of them who I think the the four guys that weren't Elton Brand, Clark Kellogg, Terry Cummings, and Sidney Wicks. Sidney Wicks, he was had a weird 70s career where he was really great at the start and then things got in the way. Um, Terry Cummings had a weird career that was kind of plagued by injuries. And so did Clark Kellogg and Elton Brand also had some injuries. So like, that's a really, really 
amazing career to have or a rookie like resume to have. But what makes it even more interesting is like, okay, put that aside, put all the rookie shit over here. Victor Wembanyama is only averaging 28 minutes per game right now, which is not a lot, especially yeah. for a, like a tent pole starter. Can you guess how many players ever in a season have averaged 28 point or uh, 20 and 10 in 28.4 minutes or less per game? See, I, that's tough with the minutes because, like, I figured Anthony Davis, if he just averaged 28 minutes one of those seasons, would have averaged that. But he always averaged more minutes than that, I'm guessing. I'll tell you one. one. It's Victor Wembanyama. It's just him. It's yeah. just him. No one has ever produced that much with such a low minutes load. You raise that up to 30 minutes per game, it's two. Victor Wembanyama and Joel Embiid in the 2019-2020 season. They are holding him back so much. Yeah, no, they are really holding. Like, that's the thing with Victor. That's And that's honestly kind of what's made it unfun to talk about. And this is kind of where I'm at with Victor is, like, because Victor is a big, and I just, I do think, like, unless the Spurs can actually get some sort of real point guard and secondary playmaker next season, like, I think we're going to see a lot of the same Victor next year that we're seeing this year. Because I think the thing with Victor is he has improved. A lot from game one, but he could have been this effective from game one with a better roster around him. And I think that's like, I hate to beat a dead horse, but like, it's obvious. You watch that Suns game, like game two of the season, he drops mm -hmm. 30 points. Like, dude, I mean, this guy could could be doing everything he's doing now back in October, November, if they had really just put a better team around him. And that's the kind of bummer is like, I could kind of see like the Spurs being a lot better because Wemby will, I think, take a big step. But like, you know, he gets... Four five percent better from mid range. He gets three percent better from three. He's a better free throw shooter. Like maybe his defensive positioning is like ten percent better. Like is that really going to matter if they don't bring in better teammates? And that's kind of where I'm like, I feel like the Spurs are really failing him right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it almost does matter just by him playing more minutes. They're gonna he's gonna force their hand. The last thing with Wemby I want to talk about, and I, I I think you've probably identified this as well is. I did not see him being this great of a passer. Like, yeah, he's a pretty good. I think he's like a top 5% center passer in the league right now. He, The angles that he can pass from, and I, I will preface this by saying he turns the ball over a lot, but you know... It's a rookie thing. That is a number that always gets better with age. Yeah. Also, like turnover, like a lot of the most creative passers tend to have more turnovers. But um, so he's got an 18% assist, assist percentage right now. And for seven foot rookies, that's only been done three other times. Shen Goon, Bill Walton, and Alvin Adams, who Alvin Adams had one of the better rookie center seasons of all time. Second best player on a finalist for the Suns. Um, I just want to put that in like everybody's wheelhouse that like this is also happening. If you're not watching Wemby, he's not just a finisher on offense. He's not just like an ISO score from the perimeter as well. He's he's making the entire offense run. And the only reason why it's easier with Trey Jones is Trey Jones can get him a little bit more. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, he's got a shot to join the 200 assist rookie center club. That's only 10 people are in that. He's got a chance to join the 200 block rookie club, which I think he'll almost definitely, that's the 12 maybe best rim protectors ever without putting Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, who they didn't count blocks yet. It's just... Go watch some Victor Wembanyama. Watch some Spurs. I it, it might be a blowout, but hey, at least you'll have the second half of your night free, and you get to watch some like amazing, amazing basketball from a young player. Yeah, I mean Victor. Victor's awesome. I can't wait to see what the Spurs do this off season, and I'll be really upset if they do nothing. For yeah. some reason, I have a bad, I have a bad feeling about the Spurs, I man. I don't know what it is, man. You gotta remember. You gotta remember. This is the modern NBA. Like almost they every roster. Yeah, almost every roster overnight. flips over for better or worse. I'm not saying they're gonna get super better, but they're gonna have a lot of new players next year. Yeah. So this is an interesting class of rookies because I feel like we've got guys who can like shoot 38% from three, or we have guys who are shooting 15% from three. <laughs> and normally I don't like inefficient players, but I kind of like some of my inefficient boys. So my first guy I'd like to talk about today is Bilal Koulibaly. Let's go. Um, so Bilal's having a really rough February. He's shooting 29% this month. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, but I really like Koulibaly. So he's averaging only 8-4 and about two assists a game. Um, coming out of the draft, a big concern with Koulibaly was like his handle. And right now, Koulibaly is maybe one of the most one-hand dominant players I've ever seen. Almost every action involving him, he starts in the left corner, he comes off like a handoff, and it's the right-hand dribble, and guys are playing his like right hand, like, all right, you're going to have to go left. And he's like, no, I'm actually really fast, and I'm kind of strong for an 18-year-old, so I'm just going to keep going right until I turn the corner. And somehow it just works, because this guy is like really oddly athletic. He um, When he doesn't have the ball, he's kind of just bouncing up and down. It's like he's a springboard waiting to just get uncoiled. Like he has so much energy. He's he's got a little like Jalen Brown to him, not in the one handedness, just in the sense of like he's going to try to get a layup no matter what, even if it's not a good shot. And it's like, I'd rather see you force the layup than a mid-range shot. Um yeah, I like him. He doesn't have like a crazy assist total. He's not handling the ball too much, but he has like decent vision and his like basically his field goal percentage has been going down every month, which is like kind of a bad sign. Oops. He's hitting this rookie wall, but I think it really is because like he really just kind of has his one move, which is like I'm gonna go with my right hand as much as I can. Um, he's got decent. He's got like a decent deceleration game. So if his jump shot can pick up, I think like he'll have a nice mid range bag at some point. He's got good size. His again, his vision's decent. Like. He's a fun watch, like, and he's kind of one of these, like, 50-50 guys. Like, if you told me, like, he never develops the handle or the jump shot, and he's just always, like, this, like, low-minute energy guy, I'd be like, I could buy that. Or if you told me, like, he kind of gets his handle up, he gets his jump shot a little bit better, like, I'd be like, okay, that's going to be a pretty good player. So, the book on... I, I have not done very much Wizards uh, <laughs> film crunching, I gotta be honest. But the book on Koulibaly uh, coming out of the draft was, like, he's a real, like special kind of defensive prospect what did you see there like what position like what positions do you think he will be able to guard in like the prime version of Kula Bale and and what kind 
What kind of defender? Is he more of a Mikael Bridges kind of guy or an OG Ananobi? What, what did you see on the defensive so, side? Because so he's, he's kind of scrawny right now. So he's actually like 19 years old. He's one of the younger rookies. Like it's kind of crazy. Like someone like Brandon Miller is actually 21. You wouldn't think that. Yeah, but um, like, I don't know. Koulibaly right now, it's kind of hard to say. Like a lot of the game I was watching was the Philly game where he had Ubre on him. And Ubre, you know, isn't really doing that. And there was a lot of times actually – offensively where Ubre kind of just was like all right dude I know you're gonna go with your right hand and I'm gonna block you but um I think as he gets stronger he's gonna be able to guard threes and twos and probably undersized fours I don't know if he'll ever be able to hang with like shorter super speedier ones and mm -hmm. bigger fives but I do think he'll kind of be one of those like Swiss army knife wing like defenders as he gets older I just like the energy he plays with I think he's a lot of fun totally um, totally yeah, I, I do want to see him, like, develop his game. Like, that's kind of the thing. I think, like, a, literally, like, a week into his second season, we'll kind of have a feel for, like, where he's going yeah, <laughs> as yeah. a player. Are there any player archetypes that you think it would be tough for him to play around? Like, what's the ideal team scenario? With yeah, team with him. It's tough because we don't know what it is. It's tough because the rookie version of him, like... Not really a great shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, again, 29% field goal this month. But he has, like, a game where he's got, like, 10 free throw attempts. So it's, like, that's kind of the weird thing with him is, like, he's just forcing shots in the paint. So, like, do you have you're what not he's shooting from the free throw line? Uh, I can pull it up. He did have, like, some nice – I know he's had, like, a 5 of 5 game. He's not, like, a terrible free throw shooter. Um, But, yeah, I think he's just, like – an. to me, it's not like he's one of my – like, I guess, I think he's just one of the more interesting rookies in that, like, he really is, like, he could go either way. Um, so, why is it so hard? He's shooting 70% from the free throw line. So, okay, like, not terrible. It kind of suggests he isn't going to top out at anything more than, like, a 35% three-point shooter. But I do think if he can get to, like, 34 35%, like, playable shooting from the outside mixed in with his, like, really aggressive driving game and a, like hypothetical ability to attack closeouts better and if he becomes a better defender like i could see this guy developing into a really high level role player yeah yeah no absolutely and that's i don't know it's an interesting place to start a rebuild with finding a, a really really elite role player prospect opposed to starting it out with like a guy like Scoot or yeah. a guy like, you know, a Jalen Green where it's like, this guy's going to have the ball every single play with uh, it's kind of the perfect scenario for Koulibaly to grow into what he's going to be playing next to guys like Kyle Kuzma and guys like Jordan Poole. It's like, you're not going to have the ball in a winning version of your career anyways. So just get used to it, man. Yeah, I do think, though, if his handle can dramatically improve, which, like, usually handle doesn't dramatically, dramatically improve, but, like, if it were to get a lot more serviceable, I do think he's a really nice secondary playmaker. I think he could grow into that role. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, uh, anything anything else on Koulibaly? Anything, how do you enjoy uh, I mean, my one thing on Koulibaly tape? that actually applies to a lot of these rookies was, man, the Wizards are hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even the, the Spurs, like... It, you know, a guy that, like, on the Wizards, like, I don't want to dunk on anybody, but, like, I think there's just been a lot about, like, Jordan Poole's not good, Kyle Kuzma's not good. Man, Denny, Denny Advia is not good. Oh, you watched the wrong game. I watched a game the other day where he was... He cooking. has some bad turnovers, man. Yeah. Just like just like the ball gets stripped and he's like, what happened? I'm like, dude, the other team's halfway down the court. Like, go. He he has some good. I like his positional versatility, especially on defense. He's a strong guy. I don't know. I, I'm kind of a 
Avdia man. All right, who's your next myself? Rookie? But my next rookie um, is another guy who cannot shoot at all. It's a guy that I was obsessed with going into the draft. It's Amen Thompson. Wait, could I group him with a SAR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we, we just can, do the Thompson. We twins? can do the Thompson. I know twins. there's Absolutely. little differences between them, but like. They're both shooting 15% from three. Like statistically, these guys are about as similar as you can get. Like the real difference is the minute load. Like, Well, and it's also the on-ball chops. Because yeah. I, I just watched Asur last night and like that dude can't do anything with the ball. <laughs> and Amen Thompson is, he plays point guard. Like, yeah, no. He, I think, has really like could project to be elite like especially in transition ball handling skills um but but yeah i mean you kind of you hinted on on the book on it is like 19 percent from three from amon thompson shooting 63 percent from the free throw line like really really not good but i will say i'm still optimistic about him because He's in the 90th percentile for combo guards at two-point shots. Like, this guy is, once he gets to the rim, which his athleticism is absolutely tippy-tippy-top elite, it's over with. But the problem is, he could not be in a worse, like, on in a worse team construct for what he does. Because a lot of the times, he's, I, I think, really, he's, He's profiling to be more of a like two guard that handles the ball a little bit more often than your regular two guard. And when he's playing the true point guard, like he's just not a productive player right now. But when he's playing next to Fred Van Vliet, not only are the defense, they've got 106 defensive rating which is super elite both of these guys are absolutely crazy dogs on defense, defense yeah. they're, they're huge i think their bodies look like they're gonna be able to put on a good amount of muscle i think both of these guys could maybe be one through five defenders against the right fives you're not guarding joel Embiid, but yeah i don't in a pinch i'm okay with him guarding like uh i don't know a guy that's playing further away from the basket um but but also their offensive rating it doesn't go down too much from what the but it's a 115 offensive rating but a huge plus 8 point differential with Fred Van Vliet but him playing with Alperen Sengun just absolutely castrates this dude because i hypothetically it's good because Sengun can pass he can hit a cutter but when all you can do is cut and he's playing on the elbow, there's just nowhere for Amen to go. So when Fred Van Vliet is on the floor with the two of them, then the, the lineups are, are, are really good. It's like a 117 offensive rating and a 108 defensive rating. But it's just like there aren't enough shooters on the roster and it just really doesn't work. It's, it's very frustrating. Yeah, no, I was thinking about this before I started my research. I was like, I feel like Detroit in the Rockets, like, took the BPA, the best player available in this draft. And I, I I feel like the Thompson Twins, they are so hard to assess, man, because it's like everything you said. Like, there was a play in one of the games I watched where Amen Thompson faces up DeJounte Murray and just 
blows right by him and yams down like a two-hand dunk. And I'm like, dude. His first step. Is his first just, step is lightning fast. Oh and it's God. one of those things where you're like, one, DeJounte Murray, like, dude, the guy's shooting 15% from three. Why the fuck are you playing up on him? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, but also, it's just like, man, 15% is it's tough because these guys are giving you this insane offensive rim pressure upside, this insane defensive upside to the point where Osar Bla- Thompson is having like multiple like five plus block games as a guard slash. They're playing him at small forward sometimes because yeah. he is a bit taller. Um, I know I know they're a little different, but I, I feel like grouping them is kind of fair because they are so similar like statistically and stuff. But like, man, I feel like I'm not faulting the teams for picking them, but like. In Asar's case, it's kind of like, you know, he doesn't have the on-ball chops quite as much because when they were growing up together, Amen was always the on-ball player, Asar was always the off-ball player. And I feel like for both of them, the real development for these first few years in the NBA is, is like picking up where the other one had the, you know, upside. Because I honestly feel like it feels kind of like a situation where it's like, all right, you let Asar play a little bit more on-ball, he'll look a little bit more like Amen and vice versa. But it's like Asar is playing with Cade, so, all right, good luck, man, getting your on-ball chops. Yeah, and, and Jaden Ivey. Yeah, and, like, Amen is playing on a team with Fred Van Vliet, uh, Green, and Sengun, who's, like, a ball-dominant center. So it's like, all right, good luck with you getting your on-ball chops. And it's kind of like both of these guys, the best version of them is more of an on-ball role. Yeah, I mean, the best version for especially Amen is, like, a Russell Westbrook like yeah, yeah. opportunity where you can just attack spam attacking the rim and like nobody's going to be able to stop you for the most part especially with like a more developed version of your body I my worry though is like Amen and Asar is similar like he's shooting like 63% from the free throw line and like free throw percentage is the biggest indicator of like where your three pointer could go so it's like so what is he projecting to top out at it like 25 26% from 3 like that's where it's like where so, do we play like what do we do with these guys It's interesting that you brought that up. So I pulled a number. I was I looked up rookies to shoot 15% or worse from 3 with at least 38 attempts. That's what uh Amen's done yeah. on this season. And we got um seven guys including both Amen and Asur Thompson and that's Christian Leitner Will Barton, Will Barton, Greg Anthony, who Greg Anthony, those numbers are a little skewed because he played in the 90s with Pat Riley and Pat Riley is not going to let you shoot any threes. Um, Larry Hughes and Santi Aldama. And I wanted to see like who like progressed, who had good seasons. And Leitner, I didn't realize, was just a terrible three-point shooter his entire career. And but he still shot them some sometimes. Will Barton topped out thirty five percent on his career. He had a few. He never quite got to forty. The the people that you're circling and you're like, we pray to God that they can have this kind of development is Greg Anthony. He had multiple years of forty plus percent from three. Um, of course, those numbers were a little bit skewed. I think he is a better shooter to start out with than the Amen. Uh, than the Thompson twins, but they he just didn't really have the the opportunity. And then Larry Hughes, who I didn't remember as like a bad shooter uh, or like a suboptimal shooter. He had one one year where he got up to thirty six percent, but that's I think that's the kind of thing that you're hoping for. If they can get up to the 35, 36 percent, kind of like Russell Westbrook, 
It's like you're feeling okay as long as it's not a huge part of their shot diet. Yeah, I don't think I'll be honest, I don't think either of them will ever get to 35%. <laughs> yeah. But but especially for our men, if he can get to 31%, doesn't matter as much. That, that that's okay because he's giving you so much everywhere else. Mm-hmm. I think for Asar, especially if he's going to be playing with Cade his whole career, like he's going to really need to get the shot up. But again, even with him, it's like, okay, if as long as the Pistons can insulate him with Cade and other shooters, like I think it's okay if he's an average or slightly below average three-point shooter as long as these guys are still these freakishly good defensive players who are freakishly good athletes. And, I mean, I, it's kind of a bummer, right? Because I, I really, like, if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm like, okay, this is kind of a weird fit with what we got going on. But, like, who knows what the team looks like two years from now. Like, I think you're, both teams are happy with their guys. But yeah. as a fan of, like, I kind of wish one of these guys ended up in, like, a team where it was like, all right, you can make all the mistakes you want. Here's the keys. Yeah. I wish they were both on the Wizards. Or, yeah. yeah. I wish either one of them was on the Wizards. And they could just do their thing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely more optimistic at like a high level outcome for Amen than Asur, just especially because of team scenario. Um, Amen's been kind of getting more minutes and getting more trust from Ime Udoka lately, which he's definitely not like a, I trust rookies kind of yeah. coach. So that is, um, promising, but, but yeah, it'll be, this is one of the like more, confounding like rookie question marks that I I think I've seen in a while of like these guys like obviously do a lot of things at a really high level. They both obviously have really elite feel for the game. Like you see that in blocks, you see that in rebounds, you see that in the passes that both of them attempt to make. But it's with all of that said, it's still hard to see them like how are they starters in a really, really great team situation without being able to shoot at all, other than just being like giannis superstars, which I don't think yeah, either I one mean, of them have the body for. I will say the one thing that I think is going for both of them is kind of when you talk about that game sense is they're not chuckers. Yeah, they're not. not they're inefficient players, but they're not throwing up a ton, a ton of shots. And they are willing to pressure the rim more like, the rookie version of Ben Simmons and not like the current day version of Ben Simmons where it's like, okay, you can't shoot, but you are willing to put your head down and go for it, which at least pressures the defense a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like they shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. They try. They try. And yeah, miss. But they don't over try. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is what I like. All right. My next guy, uh, Brandon Miller. I feel like this guy has barely been talked about by anybody, maybe a little bit more now. Um, so Brandon Miller is averaging 16.6 points, four rebounds, two and a, 2.3 assists. Uh, worrying sign, he's shooting 49% from two. Good sign. That was shooting, kind of the book on him. Shooting 38% from three. There we um, go. He's got a really quick shot release, which is really nice. He doesn't need that much space to get a shot off. Um, he's got like a nice kind of balanced shot chart. It doesn't take any deep twos. All of his mid ranges are like kind of free throw line distance, you know, all up and down around the rim. Um, he definitely needs to get stronger. He definitely needs to work on his handle. He's not that good attacking closeouts, which is really surprising with like his lightning fast release. You would expect that like one dribble pull up game to be really strong for him. Something that you can get better. Something at. you can get. But that's what I what I think. What I like about Miller is everything he needs to improve at. I feel like are things that are standard 
improvement. This isn't like a, the Koulibaly where I'm like, if he gets a left hand, this is more like, okay, if you just have your first real NBA offseason, you have your second real NBA offseason, like there's a really clear pathway from you going to a 16.6 point per game player to a 18.9 point per game player to a 22 point per game player. And like, I'm pretty optimistic about Miller going forward. I think he's not, I think like now people are opening like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Like, I don't think he's actually quite as good as people might think he is at the exact moment, but I think his ceiling is really high. The only thing I guess that worries me, he is already 21. For some reason, I thought he was a bit younger. Yeah, I think he did two years in college, Mm -hmm. um, and it was like a transfer situation. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can't be, if you're a Hornets fan, be super, super psyched of what you've seen. And one thing that I just love about Brandon Miller's game is like, his his size, he's sneaky. Like he's big, really, he's tall. really yeah. big. Like hypothetically, you think of him as like kind of like this two three tweener. Where as like I think he could probably play a little bit of four in oh, the yeah, future. Oh yeah, he definitely could play some four. Like, um, I, what I'm I think what I'm excited about is like a lot of the things I feel like he's kind of weak at are related to like strength. Like his screen navigation is really bad, but not just defensively, like offensively too. Like I saw a play where they tried to run like a double like pin down for him. And like he couldn't even get to the first screen before the defender was like, I'm just gonna outmuscle you and not even let you guys run this play. Yeah. So like it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like, all right, dude, you gotta learn how to like run off a screen on offense, dude. Exactly. <laughs> he gets eaten alive on the- but I think getting stronger mm-hmm. like instantly is going to help him with so many things. Cause that's the thing, even on closeouts, like he kind of gets bodied a little bit because he's just kind of like he's not like thin, but he's just not strong yet. And I think yeah. like just adding strength is going to like really heighten this guy's overall game and like i think the hornets made like a really really good pick now i think the question for them is like and this is something we disagree on is like how real is Lamelo? yeah i mean i'm definitely a, a big Lamelo believer and one thing that i love about his fit in particular with brandon miller is like Lamelo has great positional size mm-hmm. and coupling that with brandon miller like if you were, it would be a choice. It would definitely be a choice. But if you wanted to build with him in mind as like your two, you could do that with his skill set. And then that's just laying the groundwork for this super jumbo team that it has a bunch of like equity on ball as well as shooting and creation. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, that's really exciting for me. What... What do you think about uh, his fit with LaMelo? I mean, I think he fits well with LaMelo. Like, right, he can shoot. I think the problem right now, like, rookie version of him is he's not great at attacking closeouts. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's kind of the big thing. Like, what does he look like a couple years from now? I guess, like, it's kind of weird. Like, a lot of the film I watch, like, LaMelo's been hurt. But, like, there's a lot of plays where Miller's, like, kind of in the corner. And he's, like, kind of just watching, like, a disaster class happen in front of him where the ball is just getting turned over. Because, like... And some of the Hornets, some the Hornets are riding like a three-game win streak. Like I watched their game against the Pacers, and like they're kind of a mess, man. Like, well, it's the Grant Williams effect. Yeah, no, I, it's just they like his yapping and being out of shape and wearing Jason Tatum shoes. Yeah, I know. Like pre-draft, his comparison with Paul was Paul George, and like Paul George is really, really, really good. But I could see like that kind you of see it like you see it. Yeah. The question is like, how good can he get from two? Can he get better at finishing at the rim? Because like my big thing with LaMelo, like other than maturity is like 
LaMelo freaking sucks at finishing at the rim. Mm -hmm. And if like these are your two guys and neither of them are good at finishing at the rim, like you're not going anywhere. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Well, I guess the good thing for the Hornets is they're going to have another high draft pick. So yeah. hopefully that they, they can find like a chunkier guy that loves to drive to the rim. Um, yeah, well, I don't I know. mean, they have their drive to the rim guy. There's just a little problematic history yeah, there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how real their the future is there. It might Well, so I saw the North Carolina the state dropped all their charges against Bridges, so I don't know if the Hornets are now going to view this as like okay, he can be a big part of this long term or how the NBA world at large is going to view him, but well, I think like I think they'll probably resign him at this at this point because just to like reserve the asset and like mm -hmm. as fucked up as it is the NBA seems to have collectively decided like Miles Bridges <laughs> gets to be in the NBA. So I guess the Hornets are just going to retain that. And the problem with Miles Bridges, I think is just like, I, I think there's a perception that he's good on defense. Whereas yeah, I will like, say having watched, he's it's kind of weird because like, let's say hypothetically the Miller from like three years from now, that's a lot stronger. Like him and Bridges are going to have a similar build and like, it's good, but yeah, like I don't know. Other teams' bigs kind of seem to like get out, get at them a yeah, little bit. He yeah, he plays like a two guard. He's an undersized four. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. He's an undersized four. All right, who's your next rookie? My next rookie is Brandon Pizemski. I love this guy. <laughs> I love this guy. Of course, I mean, of course, I'm a Suns fan, and I have a soft spot for Santa Clara point guards. But um, I mean, I just really think the Warriors hit it out of the park with him just off the bat. He plays well with every single combination of guards and wings that the warriors have. He's shooting 36, 36% from three right now. Um, I, I wish his free throw percentage would tick up a little bit. He's only shooting 64%, but he's got a lot of touch to his game. Whereas, so I, I think there is improvement to be had for uh, Brandon Pajemski in, in that area. I think he he's a like he's kind of sneaky thick and and big for a guard, 6'5, 205. Um, but what I love about him, and you know what I'm gonna bring up, I've brought it up a million times, is this guy is like a generational guard rebounder. Like he he's averaging 5.8 rebounds a game. He's not playing like that many minutes for, for that kind of rebounding. Per 100 possessions, his rebounding and assist totals puts him in a rookie class of Ben Simmons, Luka Doncic, and Josh Giddy and Alvin Adams. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like all of those guys are so much bigger than Brandon Pizemski. And I think... What was really like alluring for him coming out of the draft was, yes, it was that physicality, but it was also his on-ball equity and, and his scoring. He's been pretty effective pull-up shooting this year. He's shooting 50% from three on, on pull-up shots, which I think is, is very uh, like a, a nice thing to have. The other thing that I love is he's shooting 75% at the rim. So this is a guy that is a plus rebounder. He is 
at worst a neutral defender. He is amazing at the rim. He's a good pull-up three-point shooter. Like, am I crazy to think that Brandon Pazensky has, like, one day, like, an all-star ceiling? I'm not saying all-NBA, but I think in the right season, if the right things click with the right people around him, like, the Warriors just knock this pick out of the park. And he's just a fun player to watch. Yeah, no, he's been huge for them. I feel like he's been a big part of like this little turnaround they've had uh, along with um, <laughs> Kaminga. But yes. like, yeah, I mean, it is a great pick for the Warriors. I mean, I will say between like him and Poole back then, like it seems like they have a really good pulse on drafting these like guards. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Pajemski was like a really funky player coming out of like, you know, college. Like he kind of had a really funky game where it was like, where is this guy going to kind of fit in? And I feel like the Warriors have been like a really good situation for him. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, he, turnovers are not exactly where you would want for a guy that's not um, off ball. He's got a, a almost a 12% turnover percentage, but that also is partially being on the Warriors. They really zip the ball around, yeah. and it's a little hard for to be a rookie in that situation. And I, th- I think that's what you see a lot with really, really talented passers is like... A lot of the more creative passers do have a little bit more turnovers, but it's like if you're going to average two more assists a game at the expense of like 0.8 or one extra turnover a game, like that's usually worth it. Mm-hmm. Like um, every assist is a bucket. Not every turnover is a bucket. Yeah. So yeah. that's important to remember. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Pajemski has been great for them. I guess it's just a little like. I think defensively, you said he's a little neutral. We'll see what that looks like in the playing setting. Yeah, assuming they definitely. make it there, I do feel like he might get attacked a little bit. I mean, he's a rookie. He he's should. A, yeah, he, he should. should. <laughs> and I think ideally, like he's gonna be playing like a point or two guard role. Whereas, like he's had a lot of wing minutes for this Warriors team when Chris Paul is healthy. Like that pushes him even further down. He's so good that the Warriors have to play him. But like, I think he is playing a little bit out of position right now. Whereas, like, if you have the offseason to kind of build around what the future Warriors are, um, you can put him in a little bit of a better uh, place to succeed. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say, of, I, I said that that stat about the per 100 possessions for rebounds and assists. The interesting thing about Pods is he's also got by far the best three-point percentage of any of those guys in their rookie year like yeah 38 percent from three yeah i think what we gotta like like he's kind of like a josh giddy if josh giddy could shoot and like if josh giddy could shoot everybody would be losing their goddamn minds um yeah and, and he has the lowest amount of turnovers than any of them of course those guys were playing a, a bigger on-ball role than him but I think that's that's nice to see. Also, his non-corner three-point percentage is 37%. It's just like his shooting is really, really real, and it's going to get better. Yeah. No, um, he's an exciting – he's exciting. He's only 20 years old, too, so there's definitely a lot of room to grow, too. I feel like usually a player like this profiles as somebody who's coming out a little bit older, but that's not the case with him. All right. There's a couple guys I want to shout out before I get to my final guy. Uh, Derek Lively. I've talked about him a million times in this podcast, so I don't think it'd be fun to talk about him. Jaime Hawkins Jr. We've talked about him a little bit. Cam Whitmore starting to get a little bit of run, but I feel like it hasn't been that a lot. It's just so jammed. Uh, one player so who people. was actually on pace to break the rookie three-point record and now is getting single-digit minutes a game is Jordan Hawkins. Wow. 
That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he can shoot. Yeah, he Jordan can shoot. Hawkins can shoot. He's 6'5". And, and he's, he's not bashful about getting him up either. He's not. No, he had a game uh, in this past week, three minutes, three shot attempts. So nice. I think for the Pelicans, they're kind of like, all right, dude, you're a little scrawny. You can shoot, but we have a lot of wings who are versatile. So it's just going to be kind of hard for you to get minutes now as we get healthier. Um, yeah, it's like, what are you going to be? Are you going to be more of a CJ McCollum guy or are you going to be Langston Galloway? Like, you got to go one way with the defense. Yeah. So the guy, and I don't know, I don't even know if he's one of my favorites because we grouped the Thompson twins as a duo, which I, I think was the right thing to do because I would have picked the other Thompson twin. I just want to talk about him because I just think his rookie year has been so weird. And that's Scoot Henderson. Yeah. So Scoot's averaging 12.8 points, three rebounds, and 4.7 assists. Scoot from now to day one, he looks like a different player just in terms of like he looks a little bit more comfortable, especially running the pick and roll. I think like mm. one thing I talked about in the beginning of the season was like there was a lot of plays where like Scoot runs a pick and roll. He takes one dribble past the screen and then he passes to the other wing. And it's like, guys, that action did nothing. You gained no advantage over the defense like Scoot. If you don't probe in with your dribble to suck in the defense, you're not doing anything. So now, you know, Scoot's going to try to turn the corner around the screen. He's going to set up his big. He's going to attack the rim. Um, he looks really comfortable running pick and roll. So it's like, this is that G League experience. Here's the problem. The T-Wolves, one of the games I watched uh, while studying him, said, okay, well, we're going to play a zone. And Scoot was like, I don't have a counter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any real counter for you guys playing a zone defense here. Um Scoot's really inefficient, man. He's shooting 40% from two on the season, 32% from three. Like, I know he had his first 30-point game, I think, within the last month. And it was like, oh, I, oh, that's a lot of shot attempts to get to 30 points. It was like 25 shot attempts. I just, I'm a little, like, I don't know how to feel about this guy. Like, I'm just, like, I see the, the passing chops. But athletically, like... Not to compare him to Anthony Edwards, but like I feel like with Scoot, one of the big things was like they this have is similar the next, builds. This is the next Russell Westbrook, and it's like, and I know he's kind of had a series of smaller injuries, but like, and I know Ant is probably the S tier, you know, NBA athlete, but he looked like he was multiple, multiple tiers ahead of Scoot when they played the other day, where he's like pinning him off the backboard and like running through him, and I'm like, ah, does Scoot like his build? He doesn't look, he doesn't feel as strong as his build would suggest. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's been able to utilize his his strength or or maybe he attempted and he just his mentals aren't quite there yet. The thing that worries me about Scoot is like all these rookies were kind of talking about like if we're able to see them in the context of better players around them. And Scoot, like, I hate to say it, but, like, has a good amount of talent around him, especially in that starting lineup. He's got floor spacers. He's got a pretty good guard in Anthony Simons that plays around him. He's got a pretty good wing in Jeremy Grant. And he's got a pretty good, like, roll and dive big man in DeAndre Ayton. And we just haven't been able to see him take advantage of those things. And I think those are real things to, like, red flag. You know what I mean? There's only so long that we can keep pushing along. I, I was really, really high on Scoot. And it's not that I'm out on Scoot, but I think we do need to be a little bit at this point more cautious with projecting his ceiling. 
Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, I he had this one nice pick and roll in the game I watched where he kind of like kind of almost flies past the basket, has like a nice like backward, like around his waist backward pass to a big, gets a wide open layup. So it's like I see it. I see like the passing chops are there. The problem is he's just not putting himself in a position often enough to actually draw defenses, you know, to him because like He's not taking enough probe dribbles or he's not willing to attack a guard in isolation. Like a lot of the game against the T-Wolves, he's matched up with Mike Conley, who like at one point was a great defender. At this point is really old and like the type of player that should give Mike Conley problems is like athletic ones. Mm -hmm. And like he's just not willing to attack. And I'm like, is that a coaching thing? It really seems like a you thing more than that. (laughs) Yeah. And his also his shooting, I think we all expected it to be better. Um, it, it, the numbers weren't like off the wall when he, he was at Ignite, but I don't know the flashes that I think the general public saw of him. Like he shot really well in those games against Net- Mets 92 when we saw him play against Wemby. And when he's able to shoot like that, it completely changes the game. But I just don't know if he's that guy. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I'm just, I'm like, I feel like, I feel like if he was like the 14th pick in the draft, like if he was this year's Alfred Payton, I'd be like, ah, but I feel like the only reason I'm even like somewhat still high is because of the draft pedigree. Yeah. Because I'm just, I just don't see the aggressiveness that I feel like a play, like he he has such a nice, at least from the, the way it looks, physical build, but he can't shoot. He's not getting these mid range shots up. Like. It, it also just seems like he's nervous, which I just don't get because of any player in the draft, the guy with two years of G League experience who's kind of been in this NBA world, who played in the Rising Stars last year, yeah, should be a little bit more like, I don't know, on it. And the, the rim, the rim finishing 45% at the rim. That's in the he 11th percentile. A, he doesn't get high up at the rim. Like I'm, t- He's not this... We have seen a little like... Uh, especially lately, a little ability to put a little like more mustard on the ball and and get some cool like spin, nice finishes. But like you can't you can't live and die by that. Like he like I it's not fair to compare anyone to Jaw athletically. But like one thing I like about Jaw, even though I don't think it's great for his career, is like Jaw tries to go for these insane poster dunks. Mm-hmm. Ant too, right? Like these are guys who are it's like they are trying to kill you. And I think, like, if Scoot doesn't have that kind of mentality where he's, you know, not trying to kill somebody on the court, then, like, I don't see it for a guy like him. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's like if Scoot had the profile, like, the finishing profile uh, that Amen has right now or Asor has right now, I think as a Trailblazers fan, you're feeling really good. But there's just, like, no stat, really, that you can point at and, like, See, he's he's elite. He he's gonna be elite in this one area, and maybe that's creation at the end of the day. Like, I don't want to kill a guy for having a really bad turnover percentage in his rookie year when there has been a lot of injuries and a lot of in and out uh, of players. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's disappointing. Like, yeah, it's it's tough. I will say, as much as we're dunking on him, the improvement as the pick and roll ball handler is really noticeable from day one. Mm -hmm. But like, let's see 
what else he can add. So the fact that he's added that help is giving me some confidence. I just want to see if he can add something else. Because yeah. I just don't want to see other team go to his own and him be like, you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. The other good thing is like he is getting fouled. Like yeah. he, he's able to draw contact. He's in the 66th percentile for drawing shooting fouls, which is pretty good for a rookie especially. But he's only in the 6th percentile in and one um opportunities which like goes back to the finishing it's like he just can't finish the play if you can get that and one percentage way up then like it completely changes your life to be honest it um if you're the trailblazers but yeah um i don't know i'm hoping for a, a big sophomore jump yeah from from scoot max any rookies you you like this year <laughs> T-Wolves are too good for Max to care about the rookies Yeah, I don't know I feel like you guys talked about everybody that I would have mentioned I know, I, I'm in the same place, Max I'm like, I can't even remember the last time the Suns had a rookie <laughs> Jalen Smith That was the last time we had a rookie Alright, should we get to Hot Streak Shooting Slump? Yeah, let's get into Hot Streak Shooting Slump This The portion of the show Where we discuss our Previous seven days And whether they were a hot streak or a shooting slump. James, why don't you start us off? Uh, I don't want to steal Max's thunder, but I think I've had the hot slump. There when we go. I, when I look back at this week, mm-hmm. it's a shooting slump. But when I thought about what I was going to say this morning, I was like, I'm on a hot streak because I'm in a good mood. I've been in a good mood. But when I actually look back at the week, I feel like I'm on a slump. Um, I'll start with the good. So for the last two months, I haven't had floors in my house. I think some of you have seen that. I finally got the floors in. They look great. They feel great. Problem. My insurance company sends me a check, put it in a chase. It gets bounced back because it's made out to me and the mortgage company. So I get the check reissued, go to chase. Hey guys, you got bounced back. So I did the machine. Can I check this? No, you have to get it endorsed by the mortgage company. Problem is my mortgage company sold it to another mortgage company. So the original mortgage company, I go to them like, can you endorse the check? They're like, well, we don't uh, have any jurisdiction over the house anymore, so no. And I'm like, but can you just sign the check? Who fucking cares? And they're like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, fuck off, man. So I had to get the check issued a third time. So shout out to the insurance agent at this insurance company. My man has been a great help. Get the third check. Call my new mortgage company. Can you guys endorse this? Uh, no, you have to mail it to Ohio. So I have to mail the freaking check to Ohio? I can't just get some sort of e-signature? I can't... There must be a better way. What is this? It's 2024. Why are you making this difficult? But I I always hate situations in life where like I go to Chase Bank and they're like, no, you need to get it endorsed. We all know that this ends with like me doing two weeks of bullshit and me getting the signature and then me cashing the check. Like we all know the end game is me cashing the check. So can we just fucking cash it today? Why do we have to play this carnival game? The check is made out to me. This is a platform that I would respond really well to in a presidential standpoint. I like, think I think you should consider running. Yeah, like I don't understand. Like the check literally is made Anti-bank. out to yeah. James R. Okay, another thing that I could not believe. I did a video last week. You guys were part of it, actually. I was eating only NBA players products for 24 hours or for 50 hours. Um, I was reviewing the footage from the video. On day one, I have perfectly smooth skin like I normally do. The day (laughs) after I filmed this video, I woke up with, I think, the most acne I've had since I was a teenager. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, was it the Giannis bars? I like don't the, think it was Giannis. The Giannis bars. bars were good. I got a shout I out. I don't think it was Giannis bars. I, I don't want to point fingers, but I think it might have been the Shaq, Shaq's Chicken Shack. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I got LeBron's order from Blaze Pizza. Uh, and what I, is LeBron's order from Blaze Pizza? It's a 16 topping. Nice. Uh, There's no way LeBron eats that. I, he posted it on a story. His order. 16 toppings? 16. To- well, it's Blaze. So it's like Chipotle with pizza. You can get whatever you want. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to get. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. The king gets every topping. Uh, yeah, so my skin is starting to clear up because I'm going back to my normal diet. But like, yeah, I. So other than Chipotle and then like In N Out, maybe once every two months, I don't eat fast food. So my body was not happy about it. I've heard that the Shaq's restaurant is not good at all. I actually like it. Was it good? It was good, but I okay. will say like Where I, is it? It's all the way in Glendale. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but there's something about like fast food buns that they just very hit or miss. They're almost very. like so perfectly spherical. It's like it's not real. I feel that way about Popeye's it. buns. It's the one thing that I don't love about their their chicken sandwich there is it's just like it's too spongy. Yeah. Like, I feel like Shake Shack's the only burger place where I feel like the bun feels like the type of bun I'd buy at the grocery store. That's yeah. fair. Like, the Chick-fil-A bun is very spongy, too, but I I, I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I like the I like the Chick-fil-A bun. And and then there's the, what's the, what bun? Oh, uh, the In-N-Out bun. I don't know what, like, I guess they grill it, mm-hmm. but they grill it in a way that I feel like it just creates this like unpenetrable border that like I almost struggle to even bite through to get to the meat. I I, I always think this. I just I think you got weak I, yeah, teeth, yeah, brother. I think you got a weak jaw, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you got a whoa. <laughs> I feel like it's so sharp. The grill it like no. cuts my mouth. Dude, that Patrick has a smarty and his teeth just shatter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. Yeah, these can my you, tenth eat, row of, can, can of you veneers. Eat chips? <laughs> depends on the chips. Depends on the chip. Patrick's like, oh fuck, it's Doritos again. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I gotta gum these. Let me take my dentures out. <laughs> um what anything else noteworthy um other than learning about my weird no, feeling towards no, it? No, did you have a hot streak or a shooting slump? Um uh I'm really struggling with being able to call it because I feel it. this is like the end of my run of insane travel and just like busyness. And once Sunday hits, I'm like, good. I have had stuff going on for the last like 25 days straight. This last weekend, I went and I helped um, Jesse Jesser with a, his Super Bowl video and like it was very fun. It, w- it was a good time, but it was just nonstop. I had this film shoot on Saturday, went at 8 a.m., went, set deck that, did all the stuff that I needed to do. And then I had to catch my flight, which was at eight. So I like went, packed, went, watched the Suns game at the airport, flew to Vegas. We did like Vegas things. I watched the whole game and then I had to jump on another flight, fly back here. We had, we, at the same night, night yeah. the same night of the Super Bowl, yeah. a lot of very depressed 49ers fans. That was very funny. Like, <laughs> I it was weird. It was like, did the 49ers fans know they were going to lose? Because those were the only fans that were on the plane with us flying back. And 
it was such a sullen mood in the flight that like the uh I had to one thing I hate why can't everyone on a flight just use their overhead bin space and not just like take up whatever I don't know it's like they walk three-fourths of the way to their seat and they're like, feels like a good time to throw my bag in here. But I was put in a position where I had to put my bag all the way in the back. And I was like kind of near the front of the flight. So I just had to wait That's for tough. everyone to get out. And But it was really funny. While I was waiting, like I watched all these like Christian McCaffrey jersey walks by dejected. Freaking Brock Purdy jersey walks by me dejected and the uh flight attendant was like yeah like sorry guys i know it wasn't what we were hoping for but at least the flight went well <laughs> and i'm like that's not gonna make them feel better lady but um tangentially i have noticed lately that like if i'm sitting in the aisle seat or the middle or i never sit in the middle if i'm sitting in the aisle seat uh people the person you must sitting, be doing really well <laughs> Somebody if like will be sitting in the window seat, and when it's time to get off the plane, they will step over me, get wow. their bag out of the overhead com- compartment, and stand in the aisle, re- getting ready to leave. That's the I, other I think thing like I in this hyper divided America, the next battleground is the plane. Because I don't know about you guys, but I've had like three flights in a row now where the flight attendants are like really aggressive toward the slow people. Yeah, <laughs> but like thank you. Because I've had one where I like, we get off the plane, the guy's like, what is happening back there? Why aren't people leaving the plane? Wow. And I'm like, thank yeah. you, dude. Thank you, I bro. I have not in like I've seen had it these happen. spicy flight attendants. In consecutive flights. And I'm always on their side. Because here's my thing. Like, I know, like, why does it take you so long to get off the fucking plane? I will get your bag. And walk. It's not hard. I think it's because of all the chaos agents that are trying to skip the line. Yeah. That's what drives me crazy. They slow everything down. They're like, oh, I got to get off this flight right now. Yeah. I'm like, you're not making anything go faster at all. You're just making people uncomfortable. And they feel like now they got to like jump out in front of you so that they don't have to wait even longer. that, That just pisses me me I, off i have a personal pet peeve about people who pack bags they're not strong enough to carry <laughs> i'm sorry man like that shit pisses me off if you can't carry your own suitcase get a fucking different suitcase yeah i saw on or that hit flight. the gym hit the gym bro like come on you can't lift your own bag up yeah on that That's flight crazy. there was this girl and she's you know she looked healthy she she had a bag she couldn't get it up into the overhead compartment she should have to carry it in her lap <laughs> I like I don't like I don't want to make fun of anyone's physical fitness, but if you're at a physical state and you're not really old where you can't lift up your own suitcase, like I'm sorry, that is a problem. You need to be able to lift yeah. up your own suitcase. Maybe you shouldn't what what's in there? Yeah, yeah like I don't know. We, we hot- <laughs> the flight attendants should be able to take stuff out and keep it <laughs> Throw it on the ground <laughs> until that they until they can put it in the overhead bin. Good. Um so anyways. Hot streak or shooting slump? Um, I don't know. Shooting slump. Uh, shooting slump. I'm tired, but it, <laughs> I, I, it's good stuff. I've enjoyed it all, yeah. but oh my God, I'm tired. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I'll keep it quick. I think I'm on a hot streak. Let's go. Um, I, uh, I cooked dinner for my girlfriend last night for Valentine's Day. Hell yeah. It was legitimately one of the best things I've ever made. What did you so cook? Good. It was just a shrimp pasta that was just like white wine, garlic, butter, 
That uh, sounds good. Parsley, um, you know, like list all of the ingredients. Cherry tomatoes. <laughs> it, was, it was very like it was a New York Times like shrimp pasta recipe. I wasn't expecting it to be like amazing, but it was so fucking good. But Max, is one of the best things you've made. But was it one of the best things you had? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I realize those are two very different things, but I, my girlfriend and I were eating it both just like genuinely like this is like restaurant quality. Were there leftovers? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, there's some leftovers. Nice. Not for you, but for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, we had a really good dinner. Um, we watched Before Sunset. I don't know if anybody. I love, I was just talking about that movie yesterday. Okay. Okay. Great rom-com. Um. Yeah. Not not so much calm. But yeah, more yeah. just rom. Yeah, Dr- yeah. rom drum. Did you know that Linklater had that experience? And that's what those movies are based off of, right? Yeah. 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 So have you ever seen that movie? I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so Before Sunset is a movie about like this man and this woman that meet on the train and he's like an American and in France and he's heading home. And they meet on the train. He doesn't have like a hotel room. So they spend the whole night before sunset together. And it's just like this magical romantic experience. Apparently the director, Richard Linklater, had like a similar experience. But did you know like the end of the story? For him? Yeah. You guys about to spoil this for everybody? No, no, no. It has nothing to do with the movie. The real life story. So he made this movie and he started like trying to look for her. The the woman that was the inspiration, mm-hmm. and she died. Oof. She was never able to see the movie. That's really sad. I know. But, but such a, great movies. It's and a, such a great date night It's movie. a trilogy, too. So basically every, like, eight years, they got together and they made a sequel. So you see this whole, like, arc play out over, like, 30 years, which is sick. Um, oh, that's Anyways, cool. enough about this movie. <laughs> I, I was, it's a great it's movie. A movie. <laughs> Everyone should watch all three of them. Um, yeah, but... Hot streak. I'm just feeling good lately. Had a good week. So I'm, I'm going to end it on a high note here. Mm. There we yeah. go. I will say, movie realized, I was excited. I, did you guys see A Quiet Place? Yeah. Yes. I am excited. There's a new one coming out. Yeah, it's a prequel. Oh, I saw June. that. They that looks the so Super Bowl. cool. That looks awesome. Yeah. I got to oh. be honest. I'm, I'm excited for that wicked movie. I, hey, I'm a musical guy. And I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah, it looks pretty good, honestly. Uh, but I will also say, I made Buffalo Wings for the Super Bowl, and they were a hit. That they sounds like hell. fire. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. I made, I'm not going to lie. It's been a while since I've cooked because of my kitchen, obviously didn't yeah. have a floor. I made a particularly bad steak sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where did it go wrong? Dude, it was like this really thin cut of steak. So I was like, I don't need to leave it on the pan very long. Yeah. And I like got a really nice sear on it. I'm like, okay, this, I definitely overcooked this and I cut it and it's just like, straight raw yeah so i'm like constantly like putting it back on but being afraid i'm gonna overcook it because of how thin it was and it's like somehow it's just more raw every time i take it off i don't know and then those thin steaks are hard to gauge yeah yeah yeah. all right well i think we're gonna cut it you know what i I had a shooting slump like when i look back (laughs) at my week i had a shooting slump i just have had a good i'm in a good mood i'm just i'm a happy person in general so we're talking about basketball yeah life is what you make of it not what happens they say so i don't know Oh, wait, can I tell one more story yeah. about Vegas? This this actually is why I'm on a shooting slump. So I was sitting, the night I got in, me and the one of the people that I was traveling with, we went to the like um, electric roulette 
tables and we were just like drinking margaritas and stuff. And I've never really done that before. And like, I wasn't trying to bet a lot of money. I probably, I put like 30 bucks in and we were just sitting there drinking margaritas. And I had gotten myself like doing minimum bets every You're playing single colors, time. numbers. Yeah. A little bit of both. Little I was everything. playing. It was one of the ones with two boards. Okay. So whenever I felt good about a board, I would just throw the, you know, $5 bet on there. And I had gotten up to like 75 bucks. So I was feeling good about myself. I'm like, I'm really just doing this to drink margaritas. And it's all touchscreen, right? So I'm like talking, I'm a little drunk at that point. And I accidentally hit the max bet button and <laughs> lost every single dime. Oh, man. It was so disappointing. That hurts. Something like that will throw you off of gambling just forever. That. That that is the real reason why I That's had a slump shooting slump. Yeah. Damn. All right. On that note, hopefully we Patrick and I get onto hot streaks next week. We will see you guys on Monday uh, to recap All Star Weekend. Yeah. That'll be good. Hopefully it's a game. Yeah. Jalen Brown, <laughs> right hand dunks. <laughs> Peace, y'all. <laughs>